you know, I feel so just turned around lately. I feel like nothing in life is certain. There's always unexpected twists and turns. But there is one thing that we can count on, and that is the second annual Star Dazzle Awards. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Mark your calendars for May 18th. We are celebrating the second anniversary of Movies That Raised Us with our second annual Star Dazzle Awards show roundup. Uh, Guys, I'm so excited. I've got to tell you. I have to enroll in a new healthcare plan by May 3rd, and I'm mm. not even paying attention to that because I'm too excited about the Star <laughs> Dazzle Awards. We have some amazing presenters who we mm. haven't contacted yet, and <laughs> <laughs> some awesome new categories. Yes, we're looking back on all of the movies we have covered in season two. We have created some great categories and nominees. You've heard all of our opinions, so now it is time for us to hear your opinions because Mm -hmm. guess what? Our winners are voter-picked. Yes, rock the vote. It doesn't matter how old you are or your Mm -hmm. immigration status. Everyone can vote as long as you listen to the podcast. And even if you don't listen, I guess you could still vote. But yeah, we have a wonderful Google form set up where you can peruse all the nominees, make your vote, make your voice heard. Yes. And if you'd like to vote for this year's Star Dazzle Awards, you can find the link in our show notes or you can click the link in bio and rock the vote. Hell yeah. Voting starts today, April 27th. And runs until May 8th. So you got some time. You know, mull over your choices, make your vote, and then we will see you on the 18th for the Star Dazzle Awards. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. It's the end of April, except as we record this, it's the beginning of April. (laughs) It is April 8th. Yeah. It's been a whirlwind. It has. By the time this episode comes out, Mo will just be coming back from her trip. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As you fly out tomorrow, currently. Yeah. We're in, you know, the 11th hour, as they Mm -hmm. say. Yes. Yes. A nice, tight recording. And then... Off we go. It's hard being a jet setter, but you're making it work. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of Europe. Yes, speaking of Europe, today we have a highly, highly anticipated film. This has been so requested for so long, and we were like, you know what? It's banger April. We got to do it. We had to go out with like a really big hit. Yeah. And the, you know, the first episode on the first movie of this series is one of our top 10 most listened to episodes of all time really yeah yeah what movie is that (laughs) the first one princess diaries (laughs) oh oh i thought you meant the first movie of the banger april series and i was like (laughs) what no 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 okay that makes more sense Mm -hmm. but yeah today we are doing 2004's 
The Princess Diaries to a Royal Engagement. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a time. Seeing this as a 25-year-old, I was like, imagine you just graduated, 21. Insane. You have to get married. And I'm like, (laughs) what? (laughs) You just graduated from college. You've just moved to a country that you only visited for the first time like five years ago. Spent a couple summers there. You're about to be the queen of that country. You've never been in love before, and you have to get married in 30 days. In 30 calendar days. It's it's (laughs) not for me. (laughs) I I can't handle that one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It definitely hit Mm -hmm. differently uh, watching it now than when I was a kid because obviously when I was a kid watching this, I thought that she was so much older. I'm like, oh, she's like 21. She's like a full adult. And I'm like... Yeah, like why can't she get married right now? I'm like, you're just a young... A babe. A young baby. You're a spring chicken. It's also crazy just going from the first movie to the second movie Mm -hmm. because she's like so mature in this movie. And the way that she like comports herself and she's always like really well spoken and outgoing yeah in the first movie she was just so shy and like nerdy and yeah just withdrawn yeah i really did like the way that they showed uh how mia has like matured and grown up but also kept so much of that original character that everybody fell in love with like her clumsiness and like sometimes she's a little bit outspoken or she does the wrong thing and she's very like uh emotions first Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed getting to see like those elements of that young Mia, but also this like more refined young woman that she's grown to be. Yeah, definitely. And just her thoughtfulness is the same. Mm-hmm. And she's still keeping her diaries, yeah, the princess diaries. Of course. Yeah. Um, but obviously we have a lot of the same cast as the first one. A lot of principals returned. Yeah. Very sad that my boy Michael Moskowitz was not in the sequel. <laughs> It still pains She's like, we're me. still friends. He's touring. Ha ha. He's touring with his band, Rooney. So, you know, he's not here. R.I.P. me. He probably really was actually touring with them, Oh, right? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he actually was. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we have a lot of our, our old faves back. So, always good to see them. Yeah, I love a good Hector Elizondo moment. Oh, my God. We're going to get into it, but mm-hmm. the Clarice-Joe relationship I know. was the bread and butter to me this watch around. I've never been <laughs> so invested in the supporting characters in a viewing of this movie until yeah. literally an hour ago when I finished it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but the supporting characters, they were doing it for me this time. They were giving the juice. Mm-hmm. I would say even the ladies in waiting, they, mm. were, like, they were like, we're here. <laughs> we're here to play. Like... And I, Frere Jaca, I enjoyed bitch, it. We're here. Yeah, create a diversion. Okay, <laughs> there's a pot on my head. Now what? I hope they get paid well. I really do. Yeah, but yeah, we once again another banger film from producer Whitney Houston, who also did the first one, oh. also produced the Cheetah Girls, and of course mm-hmm. Cinderella. So yes, yeah. great choices. Incredible. Such a talented woman. The box office. Mm, the numbers. Yeah, the, the numbers, baby. That's what we're all about here. Yeah. So the budget was $45 million. They made $134.7 million in the box office. Yeah. I understand that it was like a moderate success, but it wasn't like a ballpark, like, or ballpark, hit it out of the park, home run. I don't know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, like a super smash hit. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's opening day at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> yeah, today is opening day as we record this. It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we also, of course, have the incredible Dame Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that you may not know is that this is actually her first public singing appearance performance since 1997 when she had surgery on her vocal cords Mm -hmm. that damaged them and Uh. in her words ruined her voice and basically that's why she sounds much raspier than Mm -hmm. what she used to sound like pre-surgery i mean she sounds beautiful still like it's so clear that she has a natural singing voice and she's like very mm-hmm. highly trained ear. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I read her book. Yes, Home. And that talks about her like career from a young age and um it's pretty much her memoir and yeah. so like to see her perform after knowing that history about her, I was like, "Oh my gosh." Like, ugh. oh yeah. So so emotional and like heartbreaking and also lovely that she was able to sing again yeah because like her voice was her whole life because she started performing at such a young age like yeah her entire life was built around her like crystal clear crisp bell voice Mm -hmm. and then to have that taken from her i can't even imagine like emotionally what that must have been like i believe she also sued the doctor because she was like I was not properly informed of like what the surgery risks could have been. If I had known, like I wouldn't have done it type of thing. Well, what was the reason that she had gotten the surgery? Do you remember? She had a vocal lesion, like like nodes essentially. Okay. Um, So she had them removed, which like now I think it's like a much safer procedure than it was in the 90s. It was Mm. not quite as advanced because they would use like a different technique that like had the real risk of scarring. And she got, like, all of this scarring on her vocal cords and it, like, damaged them. Uh, But I'm so happy that she did perform in this movie. It's, like, such a moving moment. But it also has this, like, lovely, fun aspect when we get Raven Simone up there and everybody's dancing together. Mm -hmm. And when Raven Simone actually found out that she was going to be singing with Julie Andrews, Raven was moved to tears. uh, So sweet. Yeah, that is a really special moment. Mm Mm-hmm. On a lighter note, this is Chris Pine's film debut. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about because he's, I mean, he's young in this movie, but he's not that young. Yeah. He's probably like, I don't know, like mid 20s. I think he does a great job. Yeah. Were you, I can't remember if you're a Michael Moskowitz girl or a Nicholas Devereaux girl or neither. Yeah. I would say, honestly, like neither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in terms of like, just picking between the two, mm-hmm. definitely a Nicholas. Mm-hmm. As like a girl, I remember being much more anti-Nicholas where I was like, that guy's like a piece of shit. <laughs> but now I'm like, okay, like he is like a douche, but mm-hmm. then he he does understand right from wrong. And yeah. he's like heavily influenced by his uncle yes. who's like super crooked and evil. Mm-hmm. So if I had to pick, I'd say Nicholas. But he's shady. Like, he, he is coming on to her when she was engaged. Mm-hmm. I will say, I was a little taken aback by Andrew Jacoby in this watch. I was like, mm-hmm. Andrew, I've literally never he given you a, a nice second thought. But guy. yes, he's a pilot. I, and also, like, he's smart. This does not get mentioned more than once, which I don't understand how we just breeze on past the fact that he was an Olympic swimmer. Yes. I was like, 
What yeah. what is this throwaway comment? Let's go back to that. Let's let's oh, yeah, circle he's back. He's an Olympic singer. He works in the Royal Army. Pause. Swimmer. He's an you Olympic say? athlete. <laughs> yeah, and just the sweetest, nicest. You know what? I'm gonna say it right now. So nice. Respectful king nomination. I Whoa. smell one coming his way. During the Star Oslo Awards, we have to read the Gigi Hadid tweet. Before we give the Respectful King award. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Truly the inspiration for this whole category and uh, like theme in our podcast. So thank you, Gigi, Mm -hmm. for that famous tweet. Yeah, we really have only one more fun fact. All of the jewelry worn by Clarice and Mia was real. Mm -hmm. That's insane. It's like probably millions and millions of dollars worth of jewels. Yeah, they had a guard on set, of course. Uh, The crowns are so pretty. I would love to wear one of those tiaras. Yeah. And the flowers in the castle were real because Dame Julie Andrews loves fresh flowers and um, Gary Marshall obliged her and only had fresh flowers in the castle. So you can see her like tending to the flowers and she would like take off the dead leaves and stuff like that. And honestly, I feel like that adds to the world of Princess Diaries. Yeah, the the set dressing is gorgeous in this movie. Oh, yeah. On that note, shall we get into this wonderful film? Let's just head right in. We open up with Mia's graduation from university. Here's what you missed on Glee. (laughs) Helen is married to Mr. O'Connell, Mia's former teacher, they're pregnant. Lily is a grad student at Berkeley. She is causing hell, <laughs> doing protests, same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Michael and Mia are just friends, and now he's on tour with his band. I cry. <laughs> I cry silent tears in the back, and we move along. <laughs> and Mia is on the PJ, the private chat, returning to Genovia. She's mm. writing in her diary. We have Fat Louie who looks a lot like our friend Monica's cat, mm. Celine. Yeah. Yeah. True, true. That would be a really great costume <gasps> for her for Halloween. Monica, write this down. Write it down right now. <laughs> yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll listen to this yes. for sure. But anyways, Mia is returning to Genovia. She is excited. She's nervous. Um, she talks about how Clarice is stepping down as queen by the end of the year, and Mia is going to take over. There is a shot of a Panera bread. <laughs> yeah, Genovia has Panera bread, apparently. That's hilarious. I recognized, um, I forget what brand it was. I was like, oh, there's like this shopping brand. I didn't notice the Panera bread. <laughs> so that's crazy. Yeah, it's in it's in like the opening intro. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll post like a screenshot on the story or something so you guys can oh, see please it. Please do. Yeah. So Mia is just pondering if she's ever going to be ready for the throne, but maybe Fat Louie can help her out. And that's when Mia and Fat Louie get to the palace. He jumps out of like their limo and they are greeted by Charlotte. So that night we see all of these guests arriving at the palace for a ball Mia talks about how she's never been in love before, but tonight is her 21st birthday. Wow. And as tradition states, she must dance with all eligible bachelors, so maybe she'll meet her Prince Charming. Clarice then makes her way 
into the foyer for her grand entrance in this absolutely stunning dress. Oh, yeah. She looks amazing. Took my breath away. It's gorgeous. It's like kind of a salmon-y pink, like light. Like a peachy color. Sheer. Mm. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I was like tearing up already, literally 30 seconds into this film. (laughs) And Joe, sweet Joe, tells her that she's beautiful, but she's late. And Clarice says, a queen is never late. Everyone else is simply early. Uh, And that's when Clarice makes her double door entrance into the ballroom and welcomes everybody to the party. At the party, we can hear whispers. Someone's like, I hope they have string cheese, a little throwback to the string cheese (laughs) that Mia... Or, or, no, 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 it was the finger mm-hmm. of a statue that, yeah. Yeah, she's like, oh, Genovians are known for their cheese. Maybe it's string cheese. Yeah. <laughs> then Clarice says everyone raise their glasses. She has a little toast um, and just says that it's in celebration of Mia's birthday. Mia enters the party wearing a gorgeous strapless red dress, Mm. you know, opera-length white gloves. Yes. Everyone toasts to her. She waves. Her bracelet flies off. She's so clumsy. (laughs) And this guard catches it. Great catch on Mm -hmm. his end. Yep. And the waiter from the first movie and from Pretty Woman. Yeah, that's the same guy. What? So remember how in Pretty Woman when she like flings the thing and he catches it and he's like happens all the time. And then in Princess Diaries 1 when she like flings the pear or something and he catches it and he's like happens all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The Gary Marshall wow. cinematic universe never ceases to that astound me. That is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, rest in peace, Mr. Marshall. Yeah, love him. So we then begin the dancing portion of the evening. Mia starts dancing with some of her suitors. One of them is a guy who only speaks Greek. Another one is a guy who simply can't dance. Meanwhile, we see Mia sneaking some cake. With like a beautiful golden spoon. (laughs) Yeah, truly. And who catches her? But Asana, one of her princess friends, played by Raven Simone, amazing, taps her on the shoulder. They have a little hug. Clearly, they're very good friends. And then Mia, clumsy, clumsy girl, accidentally steps on a man's foot. Who is it? Oh my gosh, a handsome stranger, Chris Pine. Oh my goodness, she's smitten. So she apologizes and is like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And he tells her not to worry about it. We then go back to more dancing where she's dancing with this very robotic, uh, stiff dancer. Everybody is staring at them. He's like, oh, you're a beautiful dancer, like a deer or a chipmunk in the forest. Dear God. (laughs) But thankfully, the handsome stranger Nicholas steps in and asks to dance with Mia. They introduce themselves and she apologizes again for stepping on his foot Everybody is, like, watching this sweet romantic moment, this little meet-cute going on. Mm. But who steps in to interrupt it? A young Spencer Breslin, a.k.a. That's crazy. (laughs) I forgot that both Breslin siblings were in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. He's like, excuse (laughs) me, sir. And we'll get to it later, but Abigail Breslin's... uh, 
Genovian accent is something it else. It sounds like Italian esque. Yeah. She's like, I'm too small. I'm piccolo. Too piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Spencer Breslin, Prince Jacques, steps in. He's like, Oh, if this was my party, we would be kissing by now. And everyone's like, this kid is literally 12 years old. And he says, like, can I blow in your ear? And she's like, can, can you, you reach, reach it? it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then Mia is supposed to meet one last parliament member. And as she's walking, a server accidentally, like, knocks over her tiara with his tray. But a man catches it. And he's like, oh, you better be careful. Mm. Someone might try to take that away from you. And she's like, oh, haha, I hope not. And after she leaves, he's like, someone like me. <laughs> yeah, it's really like um, caricature mm-hmm. of a villain. Yes. So the next morning, Mia is starting her day when her two ladies maids, Brigitte and Brigitte. Wait, is it Brigitte and Brigitte? Brigitte and Brigitte. Brigitte and Brigitte. Yeah. Come in. And curtsy, they're doing their whole thing that they've been trying to do. And mm-hmm. Mia's just like, you don't have to curtsy like that. And they're like, oh, well, how should we curtsy? Maybe like this or like that? <laughs> or like, they're so silly. I really find them to be funny. It's kind of like a Tweedledee, Tweedledum mm-hmm. totally. dynamic. Yeah. So Charlotte comes in and tells Mia that Clarice will meet her in the throne room in an hour. And sorry about like her suite not being ready. And Mia's like, oh, no worries. Like, do you mind if I take a look around uh, the castle? She ends up finding a secret passageway. We're talking corridors. Mm. I don't know if she, like, pulls a book out and something opens. Yeah, like a door opens. Yeah. Yeah. If I ever built a house, I would build so many secret passageways. (laughs) Like, why would you not do that? That sounds so fun. I guess, like, money. Would be why people wouldn't do that. Uh, but I guess it's like if you're poor, <laughs> I guess it's like not practical. I guess as if I will ever have enough money to build a house. Anyways, your square footage <laughs> of your house is like a New York apartment, but like all the all other areas, it's like your house. <laughs> yeah. Um. So while you know Mia is exploring, we see that a parliament meeting is going on, mm-hmm. and the Viscount Mabry is addressing the room. This is the same guy that caught Mia's crown, the villain. He talks about how the 21st birthday of an heir to the Genovian bloodline signifies that they are now eligible to assume the crown. Mm -hmm. But I'm not talking about Princess Mia. (gasps) Gasp, shock, awe. Everyone's like, excuse me? Whomst? (laughs) Whomst? (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Mia, you know, goes through all these secret passageways and finds a little room behind this, like, parliament meeting so she can eavesdrop on everything that they're saying. So Mabry talks about how, as of October of last year, another Genovian royal became eligible for the throne, his nephew, Lord Devereux. Wow. Which begs the question, does that make him and Mia related? I'm definitely confused at... How he is in line. Yeah, because the Viscount says his nephew's mother was my wife's sister. So is he not related by blood, just by marriage? Well, I suppose that... It's his sister-in-law's kid, right? Does that mean 
the Viscount has no kids. I assume the Viscount has no kids. Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess, yeah. He's not related by blood? Like, that doesn't seem that like that would be allowed, though, if he's not related by blood, just by marriage. I have no answers for you here. Does that mean that him and Mia are distantly related? Yeah. <laughs> they look a little alike. They both have brown hair. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, brown hair. You're done. Related. Related. <laughs> But I don't know. If somebody can draw up a family tree, uh, get back to me. Let me know if these two are related. Ancestry.com. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. But basically, Maybury says that his nephew is ready to take his place as Genovia's rightful king. Everyone is in shock. Clarice goes, shut up. <laughs> and we have this amazing moment that totally parallels the first movie when uh, Clarice had to have it explained to her that shut up doesn't mean shut up. It could also mean like, wow, mm. gee whiz, golly, that's crazy. <laughs> and somebody else points out that Mia is first in line for the throne. But this other lord who is played by Paul Voigt says that the Genovian law states, however, that a princess must marry before taking the throne. Archaic. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. You are done. Say less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Clarice is like, this is ridiculous. This law has literally never been enforced. And my granddaughter should be given the same rights as any man. And Mia, who's just chilling in the little secret room, goes, yeah, which everybody hears, of course. <laughs> so then Lord Palamore, who we also had in the first movie, too, puts, oh, no, wait, do we? Maybe not. I can't remember, actually. I've seen him some. Oh, you know where I've seen him before? <laughs> where? Christmas with the Cranks. He's the Father <gasps> Zabreski yes. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's the priest. Yeah, yeah. That's where I've seen when him they before. go to get their tans. <laughs> that's honestly really interesting because in the the play I just saw, the guy from Christmas with the Cranks who comes to the party and everyone's like, "Who is that?" Oh, Marty. Yes, he's in the minutes. <gasps> oh my gosh. Full circle. Christmas of the Cranks, always relevant. <laughs> it's always, yeah, it's one of those things. So Lord Palamore puts his foot down and says that as the law states, you know, it's going to be enforced. Mia cannot rule unless she's married. This man was sleeping before. This man was like KO. Head empty, no thoughts, fully asleep. He practically pissed himself and then woke up to say, you have to get married in 30 days. He said, what time is it? Time to be sexist? I'm up. I'm ready. They like go, er, clear. <laughs> ah, yes, you must be married. He then says, unnecessarily harsh, he says, forgive me, your majesty. Not all of us are sure that the princess is the most suitable choice to govern our great nation. Yikes. So the prime minister suggests that the parliament grant Mia one year in which she must marry or she forfeits the throne. Mabry objects, of course, and Palamore is like, does he have a gavel? I feel like he does. Boom, boom. 30 days. Boom, boom. Later on, Mia asked her grandmother how Parliament expects her to fall in love in 30 days and says it sounds like a trick to have her get an arranged marriage. Mm. And her grandma is like, um, you know, I really loved my arranged marriage. 
she's like, yeah, it worked out well for us. You know, we were best friends and we de- we developed fondness for each other. And Mia's like, mm. that's great. I am not sure that I dream of fondness. Like she wants real love. Mm. And her grandma's like, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to become queen. And Mia says that this is unfair and looks at the portrait of her father and like hears him in her mind say, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. And Mia says that there are 550 years of Rinaldi's on this wall, and she'll be up there with her father, and she just wants a chance to make a difference as a ruler. She is very determined. Like, when you think of that little girl who was running away to Colorado, sitting in the rain mm-hmm. in the back of that Mustang, just come a, a shy 16-year-old. Yeah. So in the morning, the Viscount tells Nicholas... <gasps> Because, big reveal, he's the nephew. Oh, my God. (gasps) Handsome stranger slash crown snatcher. Slash villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it's the same. Yeah. (laughs) But the Viscount tells Nicholas that he is a true-born Genovian. He should be their king. And Nicholas is like, well, yes, I agree, but how? And then the Viscount takes out one of his darts, and he's like, this is something I learned from Italian philosopher Machiavelli. I can make this hit the bullseye every time. And then just <laughs> screams and runs right towards the bullseye and puts it in. He's like, ah. <laughs> I love the dedication. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nicholas is like, well, that's cheating. And Mabry says, precisely. Later on, the queen gets ready for Nicholas and the Viscount's arrival, and Joe tells the queen that Lionel oh, – this is actually <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this movie. Um, he tells the queen that Lionel, the prime minister's nephew, is interning as a security guard this summer, but he won't leave his side. And Joe says that he's asked for an audience with her. Mm. So she agrees to like a brief meeting and Lionel comes up to her, introduces himself and she's like, oh, here, this is my housekeeper, my lady's maids. And Lionel's like, I'm doing a background check on Olivia. And she's like, no, no, <laughs> they're fine. It's fine. Like everyone's this, everyone has clearance here. That won't be necessary. And he leans in very close and tells her that he would take a bullet for her. And she's like, wow, that's so nice. Like, you you. know, most of my interns don't want to get me tea. Bye. (laughs) And Joe pulls him back and tells Clarice that the limo is at the gate. Like, Lionel is just so out of his element. He's like a fish out of water here. Oh, yeah. I think that the first time I watched this movie, because I was like pretty young. I think I was like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I think I like just didn't catch his name, so I assumed the first time that I watched this that like that was supposed to be Michael, but he was like recast because he had like similar hair, he looks very similar. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, so is this Michael's character now? Like I don't, I don't. And know now what. he's just a security guard. <laughs> yeah. And now him and Mia don't talk at all. <laughs> at all. I would say that if I was like a kid still. Mm-hmm. Lionel would probably mm. be like the guy that I want. Oh. I had a crush on, or whatever. Yeah, let us know who you had a crush on in this movie, because there's lots of options. DM us. 
Yeah, Hector Alessandro. Mm. You know, if you're looking for some Mr. O'Connell. Yeah. There's a variety, you know, anyone for any age, truly. <laughs> so then we go to the throne room. You know, everybody's getting ready for the Viscount and his nephew's arrival. And Clarice fills in Joe, a.k.a. filling in us, about how the Viscount is not staying with them, just his nephew, because she wants to keep a close eye on him. Like, if any shenanigans are happening, she wants it under her nose. Mia is, like, super pissed off that they're going to be here. She's like, I can't believe I have to be nice to him. He's rude, arrogant, self-centered. And Clarice is like, have you met him? She's like, well, no, but still, I don't I don't like him. And I don't get why he all of a sudden wants to be king. Yeah. Clarice is like, well, we will rise above and we will present ourselves with pride and grace. The big meeting. Lord Devereaux and Mabry enter and Mia is fucking pissed. <laughs> To see that Nicholas is the handsome stranger from the party. Mm-hmm. So Clarice presents Mia to them. Nicholas bows to her. And she, like, won't even look his way. To be fair, I would also be pissed mm. if he didn't tell me who he was, but, like, he knew who I was. Totally. Because everyone knew it was Princess Mia's yeah, party. So, of course. And Clarice is like, hmm, like, Mia, go say hi. <laughs> and so she finally, like, looks over at him, puts on a fake smile walks up and stomps on his foot before storming off. And Clarice is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I will personally get ice for that foot and rushes off. So we go to the kitchen. What's Mia doing? Stuffing her face with ice cream. Was I doing that just the other day from stress? Maybe. Absolutely, I was. But (laughs) there's no footage of that, luckily. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody needed to see that. But Clarice comes in and she's like, Mia, what the hell was that? And Mia explains, Nicholas is the guy that she flirted with at the ball. And now she just Mm -hmm. feels really stupid as she continues to stuff her face with this ice cream. And Clarice is like, well, as a queen, I can't condone it. But as a grandma, rock on. She then tells Mia to put down the ice cream because she has something to show her. And as they leave, we have a lovely little callback to the first movie when she was like, thank you, trolley people, as they left the crashed trolley. And she, on her way out of the kitchen, says, thank you, culinary people. That's funny. And out they go. Um, Back at the suite, Clarice leads Mia to her now finished Princess Mia suite Mm. and says that, unfortunately, we asked Rupert's cousin to do the bathroom which is why it took longer. And she says, it's a good lesson. Nepotism belongs in the arts, not in plumbing. I loved that line. Perfection. Especially in a Gary Marshall movie where he always has his family members. Because like his daughter is who plays Charlotte. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I think his brother also has a cameo slash is a producer. Like his wife has Mm -hmm. a cameo. His kids like always have cameos in his movies. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So they open the doors to just an absolutely gorgeous, insane suite, elegant. It's gigantic. Yeah. And Mia immediately like jumps on the bed, which isn't a king, Christina yeah. points out. Because she, she takes up like the whole thing practically. And I'm like, they're going to give the, think it's the like future a full? queen a king-sized bed or at least a queen. Yeah. It looks pretty small. 
Um, I did read, I don't know if it's true or if it is like still the case, but apparently after this movie came out at the Disneyland hotel, like on Disneyland, Mm -hmm. they remodeled one of the suites to look just like this one. And it had real set pieces as like the furniture. Uh, That's very cool. cool. I did read that on IMDb as well. Mm -hmm. So she's just loving her new suite. Fat Louie also has a like cat castle Mm. And Clarice is like, ah, now the like the biggest draw of the suite, the closet. And this closet. I love <laughs> movies. The closet itself is insane. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that it's opened by a remote and all of the like drawers. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll be like, press six three five, and then like a drawer will pop out. I don't know what it is about the early 2000s where people were obsessed with like remotes. This is a remote. Yeah, this remote does this and it's automated. And like now the drawer is whipping out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even have a dishwasher in my apartment. It's 2022. Yeah. <laughs> like it just couldn't be farther from mm-hmm. the truth of what actually like people yeah. have in their houses now. <laughs> I feel like this would be considered like tacky now. Yeah, they're like, we simply can't deign to open a drawer with our hands we must have a remote control this is the height of sophistication (laughs) although i did see the other day on tiktok i saw like a video of somebody explaining their smart house like they had these those little like sticker uh thingies all over their house where like if you scan your phone over it it'll do certain things like it'll like when he gets home he'll scan his phone on the little tag and then it'll transition his music from his headphones into his speaker or like oh when he like goes outside it'll like lock his door automatically or like all this other shit so Mm -hmm. it's not that far off maybe from what people are doing now but damn that's crazy Mm -hmm. um if anyone wants to donate a dishwasher to me (laughs) be so that'd be so cool i would also love a dishwasher that's just a little bit about me so (laughs) they are exploring the closet. There is so there are so many beautiful clothes, mm-hmm. beautiful jewelry, um, tiaras. Yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then Clarice is like, and the best surprise: a closet door opens, and who pops out? It's Lily Moskovitz. Oh my gosh! So they're squealing, they're hugging, and Mia goes, "I'm getting married," and she's like, "To who?" And Mia's like. I don't know yet. Matchmaker. <laughs> matchmaker. Make, make me a match. Me a match. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we go to the home theater where, you know, everybody's on their recliners. They all have their pear popcorn. We'd kill for some pear popcorn. Oh, my God. Would love. They're all going through a slideshow of potential husbands for Mia. So they, you know, go through a couple options before we get to... <laughs> The most eligible bachelor in 2004, Prince William. (laughs) Okay. So for, you know, historical purposes, Mm -hmm. I did look him up now. Yeah. um, Mostly because I get William and Harry confused Uh, a lot. William is the next king, like after Charles. Yes, yes. So I just wanted to look him up to be like, is this who I'm thinking of and what does he look like now? My man's is so bald. So bald. Yeah. He got married. And all that hair, gone. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's leaving a lot to be desired, is all I'll say. Harry looks great. Yeah. 
you never know what genes you're going to get. You never know. But in any case, in 2004, Prince William was all the rage. So, of course, he's not eligible because he's in line for his own throne. And Joe is like, well, if he's not eligible, why is he included in these pictures? And Charlotte goes, I just love to look at him. And Clarice is like, me too. So I'm like, okay, Clarice, get it. (laughs) Then they come across this guy, Antoine Susson of Paris. And Mia's like, oh, he's cute. And Joe is like, yes, his boyfriend thinks he's handsome also. I'm like, Charlotte, get a fact checker on this slideshow. <laughs> yeah. You need to update a couple things. Mm-hmm. And Mia and Lily in unison go right on. And Clarice is like, well, put him on all the invitation lists anyways. He's an amazing dancer. So I'm like, okay, Genovia is very down with the LGBT. Like they're yeah. – they seem progressive. I'm wondering. I'm like, what are Genovia's – you know, human rights right now. Yeah. <laughs> they strike me as a Switzerlandy place where mm-hmm. they just stay out of any type of, like, issues. Yeah, I assume they don't have, like... Because I assume that this is a very tiny, tiny, tiny country. I think it's like a pinprick, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, smaller than Luxembourg is what I'm picturing. <laughs> so, um, I'm thinking they don't have a huge army. Yeah. So probably they kind of stay out of... They're like, we we good. International <laughs> affairs. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I wonder what Genovia's response was to COVID. Did they shut down? Ooh. Under Mia's rule, I think, I think they, they would. they probably would have. Yeah. 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 I would love if in Disneyland or Disney World, they did some type of like Genovia. Oh my God. That would be so cool. Yeah. It would be dope. Everything would be pear flavored. Like a castle or some sort mm-hmm. of like... Ri- uh, Anyways, Disney, think about it. it. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they keep going on this slideshow. They run through a couple more unsuitable options. And Clarice is like, no, no, no. That was actually not too bad. I feel like that was pretty close to Julia Andrews, (laughs) in my opinion. Run that back. Run that back. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) We need someone titled who can help her run a country without ego getting in the way. Someone attractive, Mm -hmm. smart, not arrogant. Someone with compassion. Cue Andrew Jacoby, Duke of Kenilworth, Olympic swimmer, because it bears repeating. That's crazy. <laughs> Olympic swimmer, only mentioned this one time, rides motorcycles, loves photography, uh, and is an Air Force pilot. And also- That's so hot. Yeah, just like a cutie, super nice, super friendly. I'm like- we got some athleticism. We have some creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. He's also like, oh, I can fly planes and ride motorcycles. So like so well-rounded. You can get anywhere. Yeah. I'm like, this guy, he's a real catch. If he had to do an emergency water landing, he could swim you back to shore. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm swooning. I'm swooning over Andrew. I just watched uh, the – Sandra Bullock, uh, Channing Tatum. Oh my movie. god, The Lost City. I haven't seen it yet. Yes. Is it good? So good. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, I mean, so good is like a lot. It means to like say it's a mid tier rom com, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a really great rom com. Like, I think it's like, I would watch it again, honestly. Oh like, my gosh. if you were like, let's go, I would totally watch it again. It was really fun. Yeah, I got to see it. The rom-com renaissance, it's happening, you guys. I feel it. Oh my gosh, we predicted this. Yes. Yes. 
That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Also, this is pr- pretty breaking news as we record this. It will be like a month old by the time this episode comes out. But Nancy Myers just signed a deal with Netflix where she's doing a rom-com for them. So Whoa. very exciting. So they go to their first date mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful, just like breezy, I would say like early spring-ish day mm-hmm. on the shore. They are just swarmed by paps. They're like a ways away, but they're all there reporting. Elsie, yes. um, Penworthy is reporting. And Andrew's parents and the queen are all like walking behind them just like chatting and it's so chaperoned it's like nothing yeah. that i'm used to i was like whoa <laughs> so mia's scarf flies off and andrew runs after it <sighs> mia runs too and she he's like oh no mia I've, i have it like a princess should never run and they end up falling on the sand and he puts her scarf back on her neck it's so cute he's so like just kind and gentle Guys, am I an Andrew stan? I don't know what happened. I think you're an Andrew stan. Yeah, he's just like so sweet and lovely and I love him. I love him. As we become, you know, more mature and less jaded, Mm -hmm. we realize Andrews are the type of men we need to go for. Absolutely they are. Yeah. Absolutely. So then they play badminton and Mia um, falls during one of her like hits or whatever mm-hmm. and andrew's like oh my gosh are you okay and lily's like stay down stay down <laughs> and he goes and gets her ice and like ices her leg and they talk and it's ah oh, so cute yeah we get this like lovely little montage of them walking through the gardens while a love that will last is playing in the background it's just like so dreamy I love and beautiful song. the soundtrack incredible incredible across the board for this movie. Tens out of tens. Tens across the board. <laughs> so <laughs> they're walking through the gardens. Who is looking at them angrily? Ooh. One Nicholas Devereaux. Feeling a little salty, feeling a little jelly, maybe. He is. Might want to investigate that. <laughs> so they're then like sitting on this bench, and Andrew is talking about, you know, his family and like how. Every marriage in his family has been arranged for the past 200 years. And Mia is like, hey, do you mind speaking without moving your lips? Because uh, the lip readers with the press over there have binoculars. And we see literally right pressed against the gates is Elsie Penworthy and like her whole camera crew. And she's like, the couple is sitting under the pear tree. Then my boy, Andrew. Gives Mia a gift. You would love this. I would love this because I always say – I'm going to say what it is first and then I'll say why I love yeah. it before I get ahead of myself. So he gives her a film canister and she's like, oh, film, like that's nice. And she shakes it. There's something inside. So she opens it up and it's an engagement ring. But not just any ring. It's his grandmother's engagement ring. Aww. And his grandparents were married for 57 years. So he thought it could be lucky for them. Oh. So she's like, do I have to put it on myself? He's like, no, I can help you. And, you know, puts on the ring. She says yes. Wow. She's honestly very cool at the arranged marriage. Yeah. It's, like, more cool than I would anticipate as someone who's, like, not familiar with that world. Oh, for sure. Because it's kind of insinuating that she didn't really date in college. At least if she yeah. did, it was nothing serious. Like, she's never been in love before. Mm-hmm. But this proposal is – 
flawless. It's perfect. <laughs> because if you take away the paparazzi, like if they're not there, if it's just like normal people, it's private. It's in a beautiful setting. It's thoughtful. Like the idea, because I hate it when, you know, the ring is in the food. That's not my thing. But it's in like a film canister, which is like something that he loves. And like he's taken photos of her and stuff like that. And it's, you know, a family ring. I'm just like, oh, my God. It is really nice. Sweeping me off my feet once again. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. I loved it. Personally, for me, the only thing that was missing was like, I need you to get down on one knee. Mm. Maybe this is because I'm conceited. I do want you to say why you want to marry me. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal setting, you've also like known each other for longer than a week. Yeah. So like it yeah. would be more like personal. personal yeah. I guess. But it is really cute. Mm-hmm. I'm also like, Mia, never shake a film canister, sweetie. <laughs> Don't do like, it. You've never you've never dated an indie guy who develops his own film, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And it shows. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the lovebirds make their announcement as, about the royal engagement. They go out onto this, like, I assume it's the front of the castle, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. And Mia almost knocks over some flowers on the edge of the terrace and she picks them up and pretends it was like on purpose. And Andrew also picks up the flowers so she doesn't feel embarrassed. And I'm like, that's so oh my God. thoughtful. This is the moment that sealed the deal for me with Andrew mm-hmm. as a respectful king. Yeah. It's it's the little things because mm-hmm. I truly think like there's – a lot of ways that people can be helpful. Mm-hmm. If you ask your partner to do something, they do it. It's like, oh, thank you. That was so nice yeah. of you. I appreciate it. But sometimes it's like the details where it's like Andrew is observant. Exactly. And it He's was observant instinct. He was just like, oh, obviously, yes, I will also pick up these flowers so that she doesn't feel yep. embarrassed because obviously she's feeling a ton of pressure to like be the new queen and she has to get married. Let me do this tiny little thing. Like he doesn't even think about it. It's just like uh, instinct. It's natural. <laughs> I love it's it. It's natural for him. Literally my next note after this moment was, OMG, am I in love with Andrew? <laughs> and the answer is yes, I am. So we then cut to a more unsavory scene <laughs> with Nicholas and his uncle. Mm-hmm. Nicholas is like, well, Guess what, Uncle? You were wrong. Mia got engaged within a week. Guess our plan is off. And Mabry is like, pish posh. <laughs> Mia couldn't possibly be satisfied with an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. You must romance her, show her what a passionate relationship is, and change her mind about Andrew. And once the 30-day deadline expires, the throne is ours. I'm like, chill out. <laughs> yeah, uh, relax. <laughs> and Nicholas is like, um... Are you sure that this is what my dad wanted? Because Nicholas was only six when his father passed away. And Mabry is like, you know what his last words were to me? Help him, Arthur. One day he could be king. And it was very much giving me like um, Prince Charmant and evil Uncle Edgar. It's like that energy. Oh, I was thinking like Hamlet vibes. Yes, to go more traditional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Ella Enchanted? <laughs> if we really look into the archives, Ella Enchanted <laughs> is actually where this originated. Precisely. 
So Mabry says that Nicholas wasn't actually named after his grandfather, Nicholas, but in fact, Niccolo Machiavelli. (laughs) I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) And he says that power means never having to say you're sorry. (laughs) Meanwhile, the housekeeper is listening in and collecting receipts. Mm. In the castle later on, Charlotte is looking around for Mia and finds her on the staircase. And she's like, Andrew's plane just took off and he'll call when he's arrived in London. Like Mia had responded to her in a whisper and she's like, why are we whispering? Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I'm hiding from my lady's maids. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so Charlotte leaves. Mia starts looking at her ring, um, her engagement ring. And Nicholas walks up whistling the melody to Christina's school song from her alma mater. I can't remember the name because it's like a classical piece of music that my school song was like based off of. So he comes in whistling and I was like, like had a trauma flashback to high school. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this was my like high school or like I guess my school from like all ages school theme song school song Mm -hmm. so yeah it's pretty wild anyways that's funny (laughs) it's pretty classy yeah uh, melody royalty free so (laughs) (laughs) oh perfect yeah so he comes up he's like oh having second thoughts and she's like actually i was admiring the ring and he tries to kind of like corner her to stop her from leaving And ends up following her up the stairs. And there's two staircases that go up to this upper balcony. So they're, like, paralleling each other, walking up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, what do you need? And he's like, you know, you're the one who stomped on me with your big feet. So Brigitte finds Mia. Mia's like, pretend you didn't see me. And she tells... She's like, yeah. Oh, it wasn't her. It was a ghost. (laughs) It's so good and so fucked up. Um, And uh, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore because that's she literally is like, it's a ghost, but doesn't stop there. Adds the sound effects, Mm -hmm. and that's what gets me. Yeah, Mia tells Nicholas that he was the one who danced with her big feet and he's like, okay, call the Hague, like call the other people who deal with like terrorist attacks and says that they only danced for a minute. And then she's like, oh, it was more than a minute. And he's like, okay, maybe a minute and a half. And she's like, all right, it was a minute and a half, but I didn't know who you were. It's like a very tense moment because there's Mm -hmm. clearly chemistry between them. Absolutely. There's something going on, but neither of them wants to say it. He's being a little idiot (laughs) and she is being like very pissed off because of (laughs) course. And Mia's like, I know what else you're doing. Takes him into the side closet and she's like, I am on to you. When suddenly they're interrupted by someone and they're like, oh, my apologies, like, princess, and closes the door. So there is a lot happening. There is this Mm -hmm. tension building between Nicholas and Mia. 
this person found out that they were in a closet together, which doesn't look great for her. If this were Bridgerton, they would be married in a fortnight. Yeah, if this were Bridgerton, um, unfortunately, I think probably Joe would have to fight the Viscount. <laughs> and it, whoever died... Has to marry. Or whoever survives has, has to, to marry. marry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess Andrew and uh, Nicholas would be the ones Yeah, fighting. actually... Probably, because Andrew would want to defend her honor. I do feel like Andrew would actually win. Nicholas seems like he's... I think so. You know, bad at fighting. <laughs> yeah, Andrew's in uh, the Air Force. He has some sort of training. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So we then cut to Clarice and Joe, who are taking a stroll in the garden. Ooh. And this is the scene that began my obsession with this couple throughout the remainder of this film. You know, he kind of fills her in on some of his intel about Nicholas. The queen is surprised, you know, to hear that Nicholas and Mio were found in a closet together. Mm. And Clarice asks Joe if he thinks that Mia has the makings of a queen. And Joe tells her that she's young, but he's always believed in her. And he then asks Clarice to forget about the wedding for a moment. What? Because she will no longer be queen soon, and he will no longer be her head of security. So perhaps they should bring their friendship out of the shadows? Are, Are you, you kidding me? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? He's like, I'm trying to DTR. Let's take this public. No soft launch, hard launch immediately. <laughs> When the soft launch is the engagement photo. <laughs> yeah, truly. So he then says, I would kneel if it weren't for my knee replacement. Uh, Hector Elizondo, you little so-and-so. You scoundrel. So, you little so-and-so. <laughs> so Clarice is like, I can't possibly think about myself. There's a wedding to plan in less than 30 days. And he's like, Clarice, my darling. Oh, screaming. Please think about it. Please. And she's like, I will. And I am sobbing. Sobbing. Just, I'm like, Clarice, please, please think about it. Because I'm just like, when you think about Clarice... This is a woman who, you know, was married for, who knows, like maybe 40-something years to mm -hmm. a man who she wasn't in love with, but, you know, loved dearly. But she was denied that kind of, like, romantic love. He dies. Her son dies. Oh, my god! She's had to make all of these sacrifices. She didn't have a relationship with her granddaughter for, like, the first 16 years of her life. Another sacrifice mm -hmm. she had to make. Mm -hmm. Now she's sacrificing the actual love of her life once again for her duty to the crown. I'm just like, let this woman be happy. Let her live. <sighs> yeah. She's like, I've dedicated my life to the Genovian people. Mm-hmm. Damn. And on that note, Mia takes archery classes <laughs> because for some reason there is a tradition where she must shoot a flaming arrow through a ceremonial ring at her coronation. It's a symbol for lighting her own eternal flame. And I'm like, isn't that like a song from the 80s? Oh, yeah. Is this burning an eternal flame? <laughs> um, yeah, so Mia is not a great archer. She 
Actually, I think the safety on this lesson is mm, uh, very terrible. bad. Yeah. <laughs> Detrimental. And uh, she almost like kills. She almost kills the gardeners, like multiple, multiple gardeners. People. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's like a guy eating his lunch and she like gets his juice. I'm like, homie, what yeah. is up? Like ask them to vacate mm-hmm. the area. I don't know why we're doing this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much the entire scene is her almost killing people. Yeah. Later on, the queen meets with Mia to go over the art of the fan and tells her that she can communicate a lot with a fan. You can be flirtatious. You can say, I never want to see you again. Or you can say, I'm feeling shy today. And does all these different like gestures with mm-hmm. the fan. Meanwhile, Mia is like doing a little like, joke with the fan where she makes like an exaggerated crying face and then flips the fan over and she's like laughing and Mm. yeah she's just not taking it seriously but it's kind of cute and her grandma's like are you mocking me and hits her with the fan yeah i love this parallel to the first movie when like obviously we saw all the princess lessons and seeing how yeah that like playful side of mia is still there but also seeing that clarice now has like loosened up a little bit and she can joke around with mia whereas in the first movie she was like not having it Mm -hmm. so i really love that we got to see the closeness that clarice and mia now have in comparison to like the first movie i thought it was so heartwarming i loved it yeah, Clarice kind of reminds me of my grandma, like super proper, Yeah, always in some sort of like beautiful outfit, mm. like something very elegant, like a blazer or like slacks. Mm. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we then go to the throne room where all the people of Genovia have come to air their grievances with Clarice. I'm like, this country must be so small. They say at one point that where they are is the capital, but I'm like, are there other cities? I feel like this is like literally all of Genovia. I know. There's some holes to this story. For sure. It's an offshore um, (laughs) money laundering station. Yeah. So she tells this farmer that they will send someone to repair the well on his farm in the morning. And he's like, for your table, and presents her with a basket of veggies. And Mia comments on how everybody adores Clarice. She's so good at this. And she's like, well, one has to be fair and very honest. Even if you can't help, you have to show the people that you care. And we continue to see like a montage of Clarice helping the citizens. And this is where the the disparity between the accents in Genovia is super apparent. Oh, yeah. That's what I was wondering, actually. I'm like, is this just a city of like expats like do people from all over come and live there it's so confusing because some people have these like heavier european accents that aren't distinct enough to Mm -hmm. pin down to one country like kind of french vaguely german like a little bit italian Italian, yeah (laughs) and then you have people with like american accents like straight up american (laughs) and then british because like lord Devereux who apparently born and raised in Genovia, has just the slightest British lilt. Are you talking about Nicholas Devereux? Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. It's very, very slight, especially like compared to Chris Pine's regular accent. Mm-hmm. And then we have Abigail Breslin going, me too little, too piccola. So it's like, what's, <laughs> what's the Who deal? Who gave her that direction? <laughs> 
come Gary, on. Gary Marshall, come on. Gary. <laughs> yeah, and then, I mean, of course, Julie Andrews has, like, mm-hmm. a very clear... British. British accent. accent. Yeah. Does the Viscount have a British accent? Yes. Okay. Well, there's some continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, other people in Parliament don't have British accents. I wonder if it's, like, the... Genovian accent is like a British accent and there's just a lot of immigrants. I wonder if it's like that's the situation. Realistically, you know, that's all we can come up with right now, folks. Mm-hmm. If any of you have any other uh, ideas, please let us know. Yeah, hit us up. Any Genovian historians out there. Genovia. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we continue on. We see this montage and one of them presents Mia with a basket for her table. What is it? It's a live chicken. Which Love. for some godforsaken reason, she's like, oh, I must pick up this chicken out um, of the basket. She's like, can I look? Can I take a peek? And they're like, you know, you sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then she picks it up. Obviously, it jumps out of her arms and, you know, squabbles away. It's squawking out of the squabbles room. Squabbles away. That's not a word, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Mia starts running out. a little square out. <laughs> And, you know, Mia starts running after the chicken and Clarice is like, Mia, darling, a princess never chases a chicken. And she's like, right, you are correct. You you got it. You got me. (laughs) Oh, hey there. I'm Holly. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Cover Your Eyes podcast. We revisit the 80s and 90s movies of our childhoods and wonder, why the hell were we allowed to watch this? Is it too late now? Is the damage done? Join us and find out as we laugh our way through the trauma and take a lighthearted look at how these movies shaped our views on society, relationships, and sex. Open your minds and cover your eyes. Every Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, so Dear Diary, Mia is stressing out because she has to review the Royal Guard and the whole court and troops are going to be watching while she rides side saddle. What? And she's like, Grandma, I can't ride side saddle. Like, I don't know who told you that I could. And she's like, oh, Mia, don't be silly, darling. No one's ever ridden side saddle. (laughs) saddle. We use this, like, prosthetic wooden leg. We put it on the saddle. And look, just drape your skirt over it, put a boot on it, and no one will know the difference. You're good to go. These are the secrets that I want to know about the royal family. Truly. So the next thing we know, Mia is riding, quote unquote, side saddle Mm -hmm. to review the royal guard. Mabry decides that he is going to bribe one of the staff members to spook Mia's horse with a fake snake because the horse is afraid of snakes. The ceremony begins and Mia rides down the line reviewing the royal guard. And the horse keeper shows that little rubber snake. Of course, the horse freaks out. It starts bucking. I'm like, the guy really just peeked it out of his messenger bag. Like, (laughs) I think the snake would have needed to be on the ground Mm -hmm. for the horse to even notice it. Yes, for sure. But I'll suspend my disbelief. Yeah, (laughs) truly. So Joe rushes to the front to help Mia out, but in the process, accidentally rips off the wooden leg. Someone should have told Joe about the wooden leg. Right? I feel like security should know about that. Yeah. (laughs) But everyone laughs and Mia rides off. Mia is crying in the stable, just devastated, and Nicholas comes in with her hat. 
and says that hiding only makes them gossip more. And he starts to crack a joke at her expense. I think he says something about like her being able to outrun them if she had one more leg. And she's like, I don't need this right now. And he starts to apologize. But she says that he only thinks about himself. So, you know, just this once, let me feel miserable. You know, don't make me feel worse about myself. Just go away. Then Joe comes in and lets Mia know uh, Clarice is here and she leaves to meet her. So it's just Joe and Nicholas and Joe asks Nicholas if he's going to be disappointed in him when Mabry comes in and Joe is like, actually, like, I'm going to speak to the Viscount alone. So he talks to the Viscount and says, you may not be aware of what my job entails as the royal head of security. My job is to protect the crown, to make sure no harm comes to the crown, to step in when someone toys with the crown's emotions. You see, if you hurt my girl, you will answer directly to me and whatever crimes I commit against you. Remember, I have diplomatic immunity in 46 countries, including Puerto Rico. Hot. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> sir, you will find that the word fear is not in my vocabulary. And he says, ah, I love this line. He's like, but it's in your eyes. My and, then man hands <laughs> and then he hands Mabry back his phony snake. Uh, Bam. Love him. Fucking love Joe. So then we have a little moment between Nicholas and Clarice where they're both in the kitchen Clarice is, I don't know, drinking tea and reading or something. And Nicholas is making like a souffle. Oh, because he went to um, culinary school. Right. I forgot about that. I like they just really toss it in. They throw in all these little autobiographical, not autobiographical, biographical details. (laughs) And then we never hear about them again. Yeah. But I was like, wow, a man who loves to cook. I'm intrigued. Or bake, rather. So... Clarice asks Nicholas why he's so against Mia being queen. And he's like, well, my uncle feels that Mia doesn't know the people while I was born and raised here. I love Genovia. Like, it's my country. And Clarice is like, well, I think that Mia would make a great ruler. She's bright, sensitive, caring. And Nicholas is like, I know. And we're like, you know? You think Mm. those things about her? Oh my gosh. You're like dreaming about her? You want to marry her? What? Who? You're like writing Mr. Nicholas Thermopolis Rinaldi in your diary? Oh my gosh. (laughs) So he then asks, how can one rule the people if they don't know them? Which is a good point. That is something that, you know, did need to be addressed. Yes. So the next thing we see is the garden party. Mia watches an opera singer perform at the garden party and she's really enthralled which i appreciated because i don't know i feel like mia's pretty cultured yeah i just like that they really gave respect to the opera singer yeah because it's like yeah it's such a beautiful song Mm -hmm. and um this opera singer is the new rising star of the opera world Mm. according to clarice and she, like, makes this announcement, and Mia gives her a pair of trophy. Yeah, we did read that the song that the opera singer sings, La Traviata, is the same one that Julia Roberts' character was enthralled by in Pretty Woman. So once again, yes. the Gary Marshall Cinematic Universe, it all comes together. It's so good, I almost peed my pants. <laughs> what? 
Oh, she said she liked it better than <laughs> Pirates of Penzance. Perfection. I love Richard Gere. Yeah. I love him. Give him the old razzle dazzle. I was mid wine sip, but I had to stop to, yeah. to sing that with you. Um, so this happens. The trophy is given. Mia starts mingling with the guests. Um, she's great at remembering people's details. She mm. asks someone about their grandchildren, another person about um, their dogs. And the queen looks on and is like, wow, like, you know, she's doing great. Like, yeah. she has really learned the ropes and um, – like she's coming into her own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Nicholas shows up and actually has a date, mm. Alyssa. Yeah. Gosh. And Mia's like, is that his girlfriend? And this random guy who we've <laughs> never met before is like, yep. oh, Nicholas doesn't have girlfriends. He has dates. So Mia calls for Andrew and he. He's like, oh, perfect. My camera is ready. Like, let's go on a walk. And they go in the opposite direction of Nicholas. Obviously, they end up bumping into each other. Nicholas is like, we were just talking about Alyssa's latest achievement. She was named a Rhodes Scholar. And Mia's like, oh, my gosh, congratulations. You know, Andrew has a PhD in anthropology from Oxford. And Nicholas is like, wow. Alyssa was in the Peace Corps. So they keep going back and forth, making these jabs. And Alyssa's like, Andrew, would you like to come get a drink with me while Mia and Nicholas do a whose horse is bigger thing? And he's like, uh, yeah, I would love to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> no, but he's much more respectful. Yes. Um, Nicholas tells Mia that it's a fantastic party and says that she and Andrew make a great couple too bad she's not attracted to him and she's like yeah and then realizes what she's saying and is like fuck (laughs) yeah so we then get this like brief interlude where um i think that it's johnny blue i think is like the name of the artist he apparently because i looked him up because it's this white guy who's singing in mandarin i was like this is weird he's singing miracles happen the song from the first movie he was apparently the first uh, Caucasian pop star in China, apparently. Huh. Yeah. I was wondering what language he was singing. Like, I, I didn't know if it was Mandarin or Cantonese or Japanese mm. or what have mm. you. But it is a shocking performance just mm-hmm. because out of all of the Asian pop stars mm-hmm. that they could have picked, they picked the guy who's like Some white. white guy. <laughs> it's like interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. But... It's a beautiful song. <laughs> it is. It's a great song. We then go back to our lovers, Mia and Nicholas. Having a lover's quarrel. Mm-hmm. So Mia follows him into like the maze in the garden. They go to this fountain and she's like, I am very attracted to Andrew. He understands me. And he's like, oh, wow. Sounds so passionate. Did you notice you didn't even say the word love? And she's like, well, you're just jealous. He is. He is. And he's like, why would I be jealous? He's the one who has to spend the rest of his life with you. And then the tension, my God, she's like, (laughs) I loathe you. And he's like, I loathe you. And then they step closer. They're inches away. And she's like, I loathe you more. And he kisses her. Whoa. Whoa. This is a betrothed woman. Crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Wait, you've, have you seen Bridgerton season two? I have not. <gasps> I know. I think I'll probably do it in Germany or something when yeah. I have downtime. Or like download some episodes to watch on the plane because... How do I do that? If you go, you have a Netflix app on your phone. Yeah. So you can go to a show and click download episode and it'll save it so you can watch it offline. No way. Does that take up room on your phone? Yeah. But it saves it like in the app. It doesn't like save it to your phone. So you just have to open the app and go to like my downloaded episodes and you can delete it after you're done. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. Yeah. But there are a shocking amount of parallels between Bridgerton season two and this movie. Whoa. It's, it's a very similar, like, slow burn enemies to lovers situation. Mm-hmm. And there's one scene in particular that anyone who's watched season two knows exactly what I'm talking about when we get to it that is so similar to season two of Bridgerton. So we'll get there. Anyways, back to this movie. <laughs> so they kiss. Huge deal. Yeah. Not only do they kiss... Mia's foot pops, and we know how important that is. It's a foot pop is. and kiss, guys. Mm-hmm. Big deal. We're not talking about just a fucking kiss. We're talking about a foot, <laughs> foot pop, pop and, kiss. and kiss. So she eventually realizes, like, what she's doing and what's happening. So she pushes him off, and she's like, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Like, get away from me. You can't just go around kissing people, especially engaged people. And they're circling around this fountain, and he's like, I don't know, like, you seem to really enjoy it. I think you want to do it again. And she's like, stop confusing me. Get away from me. And they end up falling in this fountain together. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And and she tells him, why don't you just go underwater and I'll count to a million. (laughs) And puts her sopping wet hat back on her head before exiting the fountain. Yikes. So she heads back to the party. Obviously grandma's pissed Clarice reprimands Mia and she's like when are you going to start acting responsibly Mia says that she didn't plan any of this she just lost it and Clarice is like well we can't afford to lose it people look up to us we are held to a higher standard of behavior and she tells Mia to get some sleep so that she's fresh for the parade tomorrow and Mia storms off to bed um Joe Pesci style (laughs) What does that mean? Because <laughs> she's like, what a, what a, what a, like she's doing oh, that Joe so Pesci true. mumbling from Home Alone. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I didn't know how else to write it in the notes. So. <laughs> yes. So the next thing we know, it's time for the parade. We see the captain of the Royal Guard who has been yelling through the whole movie you know, announcing people's entrances. It's an interesting yell because he's, like, yelling, but he also has, like, a voice crack. Yeah. But it sounds purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, you sound kind of afraid all the time. But him and Lily have, like, a little flirty flirt moment, and she's like, mm-hmm. what if I announce myself like that? Lily Moskovitz, best friend of Princess Mia, getting in the Mustang. And he's like, that was really good. And then he yells... The prettiest girl is riding in the stag. Cute. Like, Cute. The prettiest girl is riding in the stag. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Who let you have this job? Yeah. Seems like a hiring error. Oh, but- you've been shouting this whole time? You were supposed to be in the office. <laughs> Buddy, go file some paperwork. What are you doing here? Our records have been fucked for the last two years. <laughs> 
So we then see Mia and Clarice get in the carriage and they begin their parade procession. We also see the Genovian pear juggler, another lovely little callback to the Uh, first movie. If I ever have like an extravagant birthday party, I would want the entire menu from The Princess Diaries, the first installment, Mm. and I would want the Genovian pear juggler. Absolutely. Those are my two biggest things that I would need. Link in our bio for the GoFundMe for Mo's birthday party. (laughs) I need a GoFundMe to fund my pear juggler. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the parade is going on. Mia then spots a young girl being picked on in the crowd. So she's like, stop the carriage. Gets out of the carriage. She goes over to this group of children. They're right in front of the children's shelter. And she introduces herself to Carolina, the little girl, a.k.a. Abigail Breslin. Carolina. Yes. And she's like, were you two messing with Carolina? And the boys run away. And she asks Carolina if she'd like to be a princess today. And this girl goes, I can't. I'm too little. Too piccola. (laughs) I'm like, you said it in English, sweetie. So Mia then declares that anyone can be a princess today. So she's going to buy them all tiaras from like this local seller so that they can march in the parade. The boys can be the princes too. Yes. And she instructs them all. And she's like, to be a princess, you have to believe that you are a princess. You've got to walk the way that you think a princess would walk. So think tall. you got to smile and wave and just have fun. Ah. Kelly Clarkson's bra- I have fucking goosebumps even just saying break it. Kelly Clarkson's breakaway. Probably one of my all-time favorite movie scenes. I love mm. this part of the movie. Like I remember this scene so vividly. Uh I just think it's super sweet and mm. it really gets to the heart of what the film is about, which is like learning to A have like the confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also to take those lessons and be selfless with others. Totally. Because you can see from the way Clarice is a queen and the way that uh, me as a princess, like they care about the people that they're ruling over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're always interested in helping the people of, Je- of um, Genovia. And uh, break away, like just play break away over a mildly emotional scene and I'll I'm be crying. crying. Yeah, absolutely. Crying in the club. <laughs> Truly. So yeah, they all march in the parade. Little Carolina stops sucking her thumb so she can wave. Aw. It's She's just like very sweet. You have to wave. Like maybe you should take your like maybe take your thumb out of I forget. She words it much She's nicer like, you than you I am. You can't wave with your thumb in your mouth or something yes. like that. She's like, oh, I'll wave with my other hand. And she's like, okay, perfect. And then they hold hands and walk in the parade. And then slowly she, like, starts to get her confidence and takes her hand out of her mouth and starts waving. So cute. And on a serious note, though, I do feel like if you're seven or eight and you're still sucking your thumb a lot, you probably have, like, so much trauma. Like, Oh, probably, yeah. She is parentless. It's Mm -hmm. probably, like, a coping mechanism. Oh, totally. That's so difficult. Absolutely. Just psychology things. Um, I digress. Later on, because Mia has had this experience, she's like, I don't know if we mentioned it, but she does briefly talk to like the guy who's in charge of this orphanage. And yes, he's like, yeah, most of these people like don't have 
parents, they are orphans, and we try to accommodate as many people as we can, like as many kids as we can. And so Mia takes it upon herself to meet with her advisory board about um, the children from the shelter being housed at the Winter Castle in Libet. And these parliament members are like, well, um, your majesty or your highness. Yeah, your highness. Well, this is normally like a perk and we used it as a resort for parliament members and dignitaries. And Mia is like, uh. okay, well, I literally don't give a yeah. fuck. <laughs> like, And she says that she wants to convert it into a children's shelter till enough money can be raised for one of their own. It's like very clear that she does not feel comfortable with having multiple castles mm-hmm. while these kids don't even, you know, have a home for themselves. Yeah. yeah. And everyone is like, oh my God, that's really inconvenient. Yeah. Well, I was like, where are we supposed to ski now? Go to go to an actual resort and pay for it. You're pissing me off. Yeah. You're pissing me off. So Mia reveals that she has hired Lord Crawley's brother as the architect <laughs> for the project. Apparently, they do not speak. Mm-hmm. So Crawley is going to pop a blood vessel. His brother comes in to, like, say hello or, like, join the meeting or whatever. And he, they start bickering immediately. Mm-hmm. So after this meeting in the hallway, Mia runs into Nicholas Devereaux wearing glasses. Oh, my goodness. Be still, my beating heart. And he tells her that he was very impressed by her at the parade and congratulates her on the new children's center. And she's just a smitten kitten. She's like, oh, my God, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I actually have my bridal shower tonight, too. And, like, Lily and the ladies' maids are watching them chat it up. But eventually, Mia is called away. She has to go and get ready for her bridal shower slash slumber party. Slumber party. Ooh. Cut to the slumber party. Mia has invited princesses from all over the world to her bridal shower. And we get the famous mattress surfing scene. Oh, my gosh. It's so fun. It looks like everyone's having a blast. Mm-hmm. It looks like less of a, you know, rowdy party and more of just like a time for all these princesses, some younger, some Mia's age, to like have an opportunity to be with other people who are in a similar situation as them. Oh, totally. Because probably these girls like never get to have slumber parties or anything because they're like legitimate princesses they probably have security details all the time they didn't go to regular schools so it's a big deal yeah i think that it seems like they have the freedom in this situation to actually be themselves and to like let loose which is just you know my deeper reading as a 25 year old watching it of course yes so after they like have fun they're roller skating they're mattress surfing clarice comes in and says that, uh, like, Rupert and the boys used to love doing that, and so did I, but I did it a little differently. And Mia's like, Grandma, I thought you never slide. And she's like, I don't. But I've done a lot of flying in my time. Mary Poppins? Exactly. So Clarice glides down the ramp, standing, like, as if she were on a, a snowboard or something, just flawless in her gorgeous um 
her nightgown type thing. It's like pants and a top that has like a hood and it's like loose and this beautiful like blue and sparkly. She just looks amazing. Yeah. I also love the detail that Clarice, the queen of Genovia, still walks her own dog every night. Yeah, just whatever, walking her beautiful poodle. Yes. So then we have this absolutely iconic scene where, you know, all the girls are sitting in, like, the little theater room. The ladies' maids have been forced to do a little song and dance about working at the palace. Once again, I hope that they're being paid well. (laughs) Although they seem to enjoy it. I don't know. But then... Lily and Mia ask if Clarice will maybe sing for them. And Clarice is like, oh, no, a queen doesn't karaoke. And Mia's like, oh, but I had a CD made of the song that you sang at my 18th birthday, please. And the girls all cheer. And eventually Clarice does decide to sing the song Crowning Glory. And like we talked about in the intro, like this is such a huge deal to have Julie singing. Yeah. Um, they did it in one take also, and, like, everybody in the crew, like, cried after it happened. It's just a really special moment. Mm-hmm. She gets up to the stage, and after, you know, the verse and the chorus, a little beat kicks in. And, and she's like, oh, She's like, oh, my God. She's like, I don't know how to do this thing. <laughs> and she's, like, <laughs> trying to bop to the music. And so Asana joins – For the remix, she gets up on stage with Clarice. They sing together. It's so cute and sweet. And then this little girl gets up and just starts fucking busting out the crumping. Popping and locking. (laughs) And jamming and breaking. Yeah. Like to pop and lock lock and jam and break. Yeah. And that girl is Julie Andrews' granddaughter. Yes. Yeah. Again, nepotism in the arts. We love it. Mm-hmm. And eventually the whole party joins in. Everyone is dancing, even one of the guards who's dancing in the hallway. But then when they cut back to the party, he's also in the background of the same shot, which I never noticed before. Cool, but cool, cool. Yeah, it's just a very fun, sweet, like touching moment. Um, and I love it. I love it. Yes. The next day, Nicholas tells his uncle about how great Mia is and maybe it wouldn't be so bad if she ran the country. She believes in the country so much that she's marrying someone she'll never love. Maybury is pissed. Mm. He's like, this was my ticket and says that all their effort will be for nothing. And Nicholas is like, Genovia will be in good hands. You know, she'd be happy. Mabry realizes Nicholas has fallen for her. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And he says, what do you think? She'll leave Andrew and marry you? Like, I will not have it. Nicholas says Mia doesn't like him like that. And at the end of the day, he just wants to stop the sabotage. And Mabry tells him it's fine. He just wants Nicholas to be happy. So go to her, like congratulate her and say that we surrender. And as soon as he's gone, Mabry calls the press and who hears that a fucking housekeeper that apparently no one notices eavesdropping. Yeah. I don't think you're paying her well enough to keep your secrets. That's for sure. No. No NDA in this situation. <laughs> but we then go back to the palace where Mia is continuing with her flaming arrow practice. She's still horrible at it. She has literally burned Andrew's sleeve with one of the flaming arrows 
And then she hears Nicholas whistling my school song. (laughs) And he strolls up. So Mia pulls Lily aside and Lily's like, should I get rid of him or should I get rid of him? Just let me know who I should get rid of. And Mia's like, actually, I just want to talk to Nicholas for like a quick second. So a hot sec. Yeah, just so quick. Just a little quick, you know, check in. And Mia asks Andrew to go and introduce Lily to his parents and she'll be with them in just a moment. So they go off. Yes, they do. And Nicholas offers to help Mia with her archery. This is the Bridgerton scene. Okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. But if you know, you know. He helps her take her stance. He corrects her form. He's like – He's like, use your cheek to anchor. Oh, my gosh. He's like breathing in her ear practically. Breathing in her hair. (laughs) There's so much tension. (laughs) I'm, like, screaming. Everyone's screaming. She lets the arrow go. Flies through the air. Bullseye. Oh, my God. Perfect. Mm -hmm. There's so much tension between the two. They take their clothes off. Yeah. They just start furiously having sex in the grass. No, there's a lot of tension, and they almost kiss. Almost. But Mia turns away. And Nicholas is like, well, I only came back to pack my things and lets her know that he is leaving the race for the crown. He's no longer participating. And she is very sad to hear that he's leaving. He's not going to be staying at the palace anymore. So they shake hands and say goodbye. So much tension in just the handhold. Very Pride and Prejudice. Mm -hmm. Nicholas is about to leave, but he stops at the last second. He's like, can I see you one last time before I go? And she's like... I'm watched like a hawk. Immediately, Lionel comes in and is like, Princess Mia! She's like, yes. <laughs> He's like, nothing. I'm just supposed to watch you. Oh my- She's like, okay. <laughs> Before he leaves, Nicholas says that he'll find a way. I love Lionel. I'm sorry. <laughs> he kind of stole that scene for me. Um, Andrew's my man. Lionel is your man. <laughs> <laughs> only bit players in this house. Yeah, only supporting cast. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Back to Clarice and Joe, because we need to revisit that plot Yes, line. we do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking locked in. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Clarice is finalizing some wedding plans, listening to the music that she has selected for the reception. Joe just swoops in oh like my the God. stallion he is, the stealthy little eagle, <laughs> and he takes her in his arms and they start oh dancing. Her head is on his shoulder. Ah. And he asks if she's been thinking about them. And she says she has. And he realizes that no. her answer to them going public is no. No. Clarice. And she stops him before he leaves and says that Mia needs her now more than ever. As queen, it's her responsibility. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, you were never just my queen, Clarice. You were the someone that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. But if you prefer that I see you first and foremost as my queen, I shall oblige. Screaming, crying, throwing up. I am done. I'm done. If this doesn't work, no. There is no love. (laughs) The way I feel right now is like when I heard that Brad and Angelina broke up. Mm. Devastated. Heartbroken. 
That's like how I felt when I found out that Zach and Vanessa broke up when I was like 11. <laughs> that too. That was really striking. Mm-hmm. But anyways, back to this film. That night, Mia's ladies' maids turn down her bed and, you know, she dismisses them for supper. And Lily rushes in and is like, stop the presses. Nicholas is downstairs right now throwing pebbles at your window. So, of course, she rushes to the window. Nicholas is there throwing pebbles. And he goes, Rapunzel, Rapunzel, with hair so fine, come out your window, climb down the vine. And she goes, Mm. that feat you ask, dear sir, isn't easy. And I won't respond to that line. It's far too cheesy. (laughs) Like the quick wit, my God. So Mia goes back into her room, asks Lily what she should do, and Lily convinces Mia to do something impulsive for once in her life, and Mia decides to climb down the vine, luckily just missed on the security guard camera because Lionel and Shades, the main, like, number two to Joe, are playing chess. In the kitchen, the maids are surprised to find Clarice, and she welcomes them in to have their supper. Mia is trying to climb down this vine and gets her foot stuck. The maids spot her through the window, and she's, like, gesturing for them to make a diversion. So the maids are like, we never really got to uh, finish our performance at the uh, bridal shower. So, you know, we just wanted to get on that for you. And they start doing Frero Shaka, <laughs> and it's a time and a half like Mm -hmm. there's pots on the head there's a ding ding dong like (laughs) insane so Mm -hmm. Mia ends up falling on Nicholas and they run off riding on horseback (laughs) into the night ladies a man man never (laughs) (laughs) truly it's it's so like period drama I didn't realize like Okay, this is the thing, actually, I was thinking about when I was watching this movie, just kind of, like, Mm -hmm. thinking about how it feels so different in tone to the first one. Like, obviously, there are so many similarities, and we have the same characters and stuff. Definitely. And I was, like, trying to put my finger on what exactly makes it so different beyond just the fact that it's a different setting. And I realized that it's because the first movie is a coming-of-age story, and this movie is a romantic comedy. So, like, genre, theme-wise, they're just different in nature. Because this, even all, like, the subplots... With Clarice and Joe. Yeah. This is very much a romance film. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we continue the romance. Mia and Nicholas are sitting by the lake, and he asks to hear her greatest desire. And she's like, Well, tell me a secret. He's like, Aren't those the same thing? And she says, No. Anyone can see like what your greatest desire is, but nobody can see what's in your heart, like a secret. So they go back and forth exchanging these different secrets. And he says he hasn't danced with her since her birthday. And the secret is that he still wants to. And then they do something so egregiously romantic that it makes me want (laughs) to fucking throw up. They start playing Nora Jones illegal. That should be illegal. Illegal. (laughs) Arrested. They get arrested. They're in a paddy wagon. Jailed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hung. (laughs) They toy with my emotions. They play some Nora Jones as the two of them slow dance in the moonlight. Beautiful. So, rut row, it's morning. Mm -hmm. 
Nia and Nicholas are under a tree. They're not K-I-S-S-I-N-G-ing, but they did fall asleep there, and that's not a great look for her. Yeah. So Mia's like, oh, my fuck. And she notices this man on the lake, or I guess like a pond, whatever. Yeah. She sees that he's filming them, and she is like out of her mind, just like, I cannot believe that you would stoop this low. Mm-hmm. She thinks that this was all a setup for her to get caught on film, like essentially cheating on her and fiance. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas is like, no, no, that like I had nothing to do with this. And she tells him to have a nice life and rides off on his horse. Yeah. So we get back to the palace where Clarice goes to wake Mia up in the morning. But who does she find in her bed? Lily. Mia rushes in and is promptly followed by Charlotte, who turns on the news. And of course, it is the footage of Mia and Nicholas. So Clarice asks for a moment alone with Mia. Everyone clears out. Mia is like literally in the fetal position, having a breakdown. It's not great. No. She's crying and she tells Clarice that she got played. And Clarice is like, well, there really is only one question. Do we still have a wedding? (sighs) Later on, Mia talks to Andrew. She tries to apologize and convinces him to stay. She tells him nothing happened. And being the fucking respectful (sighs) king, he trusts her and is like, I believe you when you say nothing happened, but the fact of the matter is, like, you still went out to meet him. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's true. Yeah. And, uh... He tells her that, you know, he's an eligible bachelor back home, but he still thinks this marriage is a good idea. He's like, you know, I have worth. I'm Mm -hmm. not just going to, like, cower. Not only do I respect others, but I respect myself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But yet he's like, I still am, like, you know, I am cool with this. Willing to do this. So he grabs Mia and passionately kisses her they kiss and they back away and he's like so anything she says there is no spark and he's like me too there's no fireworks mm. and she tells mia that she chose him and he accepted a gentleman never backs down from his <laughs> word <laughs> what what he's seducing me right now oh my god the bar is so low (laughs) he's like i don't go back on my word i'm like are you fucking kidding me right now i'm gonna free it's like when DeJour went on their world tour right now truly yep please i love you um yeah (sighs) so he says like they're going to say i do and she'll make an amazing queen Andrew, I'll marry you. I'll marry you right now. And I'll be faithful, too. <laughs> and I'll be fucking faithful, <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, next thing we know, it's the morning of the wedding. Mia emerges from her bathroom. And uh, Brigitte tells her that a strange woman came in asking to hide in her closet. Mia, of course, freaks out. But who is it? It's her mother, Helen Thermopolis. With her new baby, Trevor. <laughs> that baby looks so cute. I didn't even, I can't even recall its face. I don't even know if I looked at it. Unless I was like, <laughs> I was pretty tired at this point. I mm. do think I saw the baby's face. Like, I don't think it was a dream. 
I just remember seeing it like really vividly. I was like, whoa. <laughs> We'll have to fact check. I don't know. I also just probably wasn't Watch even looking. Watch there not be a face shot at all. And I'm like actually eventually going off the deep just end. Just delirious. Um, but yeah, so mother and daughter, they have a little moment. And Helen tells Mia some interesting advice. She says, being married is about being yourself, only with someone else. And Mia's like, thanks, mom. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much, Mom. <laughs> and then who comes in but Paolo from the first movie? When you said it that way at first, I was like, I'll fucking kill a bitch. <laughs> and I thought you were talking about Paolo from the Lucy McGuire movie. <laughs> well, I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I have my pepper spray and everything. As I said in the first movie, somebody at the Disney Channel has a vendetta against Italian men named Paolo. Because there are too many of them. I'm just shocked that Paolo got invited back. Like, even Phil was like, didn't he fucking, like, treason sell them out (laughs) last time? And I said, my response to him saying that was like, Paolo doesn't ask for money. He asks for drools. (laughs) I guess they did rehire him, though, at the end of the first one. Mm, You're right. Because he did Mia's hair and makeup for the, the ball at the end. Yeah. So he was already rehired, but I'm like, you're trusting this man? It's a bold move. But in any case, Paolo is back. He has two new assistants as well. And he does Mia's hair. They do the classic reveal with the photos. The hair is not good. Mia takes a look at herself and she goes, I look like a moose. And he's like, but a very cute moose. Makes all the boy mooses go, (laughs) Precisely. So he redoes it. Reveal number two, she looks like a poodle. (laughs) So that's not going to work. And then for reveal number three, he's like, I'm using my own photos because I'm that confident that it is right. (laughs) So we cut to Mabry and Nicholas. Nicholas decides to skip the wedding, but the Viscount tells him he can't give up, um, go to the church and sweep her off her feet. But Nicholas says it's over. She has chosen Andrew. Mm. Back at the venue, um, Mia arrives at the church in her carriage. The reporter from San Francisco is there. Crazy. Mm. Crazy. And meanwhile, the Mabry housekeeper tells Nicholas that Mabry was the one that sent the photographer to catch him and Mia together (gasps) and that he's up to something. He's much too happy that you weren't going to the wedding. Sus as fuck. Nicholas is like, I should have known and, you know, goes off to the wedding immediately. But there are no cars available. So he has to take grandfather's bike. And I, I, I'm assuming you've seen this movie if you're listening to this podcast. But, like, the bike is the bike with a fucking gigantic front wheel mm-hmm. and, like, a two-inch big back wheel <laughs> very They're old like, timey oh like oh no like how the only thing that we have is this antique bike <laughs> on the wall i can assure you i listen i don't ride my bike for a couple months mm-hmm. it's squeaking and squealing <laughs> this bike is screaming <laughs> the bike is like please don't <laughs> This bike is from like 1854 or something. It's like <laughs> we take this bike to like um what what's the thing called? 
The one where they they're at the auction house and they like appraise the items. Like the antique like, roadshow. Yes, antiques roadshow. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this bike, it's an antique. It's so it's so valuable. But did you ride it to a Genovian mm. wedding once? Because that actually takes yeah. down the value a lot. <laughs> I didn't think about it until just now, but he doesn't have his horse because Mia took his horse. Uh, he could have ridden it on horse. Yeah. I mean he does eventually, but yeah, we'll get there momentarily. But back at the church, we have this tiny little scene where, you know, Clarice and Charlotte, they're greeting guests as they come in. And who arrives but Stan Lee of Marvel history? The creator, really. Yeah. Does this mean that The Princess Diaries takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or just... He as a person is a, a guest. Right. But it's like, in, in that case, do all the movies that... Because Stanley always makes a cameo in... Or used to, rest in peace. Oh, would always yeah. make a cameo in every single Marvel movie. Oh, that's interesting. So, is Mia Thermopolis in the same world as Iron Man, Captain America? That's something to investigate, yeah. for sure. Let us know if you agree with this theory. But we also then see Nicholas... He comes across a farmer and trades his bike for his horse. (laughs) So the next thing we know, the wedding ceremony begins. Mia then opens the door a crack to talk to Joe, and she tells him that she's sorry to hear that he's retiring. She found out from the maids because they know everything. And he's like, yes, well, the heart does things for reasons reason cannot understand. So he he was retiring for Clarice. He was retiring so they could be together. Screaming. <laughs> so she's like, oh, I understand that all too well. And then he's like, by the way, princess, Nicholas did not set you up at the lake. The maids know everything. Oh, my, my gosh. God. So the doors open for Mia. Everyone stands. She starts making her way down the aisle, but she slowly starts slowing down (laughs) until she reaches a stop. Oh, no. And she's like, I'm going to need a minute or two, and then books it out of the church. That's awkward. Mm -hmm. Mia runs to hide from photographers, and Clarice goes after her. Helen goes to change her baby's diaper. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Mia is freaking out. And starts apologizing to Clarice. She says that she can't do this. And Clarice says she made her choice of duty over love. And she's lost the only man she ever really loved. She's talking about herself. Yeah, Joe. Devastating. Mm -hmm. And she tells Mia that she doesn't want her to to make the same mistakes as her. Um, She tells her to make her own mistakes. But whatever choice you make, let it come from your heart. And Mia hugs her grandmother. Oh, my gosh. So we then go back into the church. Mia quickly makes her way down the aisle and meets up with Andrew at the altar. And she tells him that everyone deserves a chance to find true love, including them. And she gives him back the ring. And he says, thank you for saving me from doing the proper thing for once in my life. Even when he's getting stood up at the altar, he's respectful. My fucking king. King shit right here. Done. (laughs) D-O-N-E. 
So he's like, well, now all that I have to do is tell my mom. And she's like, I have to tell everyone else. And they both wish each other good luck. Aw. We get Mia's address to the crowd, very a la the first movie mm-hmm. when she accepts uh, the crown. Yes. A few moments ago, I realized the only reason I was getting married was because of a law, and that didn't seem like a good enough reason. So I won't be getting married today. My grandmother has ruled without a man at her side for quite some time, and I think she rocks at it. (laughs) So as the granddaughter of Queen Clarice and King Rupert, King Rupert, may he rest in peace. I ask the members of parliament to think about your daughters, your nieces and sisters and granddaughters and ask yourselves, would you force them to do what you're trying to make me do? I believe I will be a great queen. I understand Genovia to be a land that combines the beauty of the past with all of the best hope of the future. I feel in my heart and soul that I can rule Genovia I love Genovia. Do you think that I would be up here in a wedding dress if I didn't? I stand here, ready to take my place as your queen, without a husband. (laughs) I can't believe we did that at the exact same time. (laughs) Jinx. (laughs) So Mabry then starts running his freaking mouth. He's like... Oh, the, the, law, law, the, law. the law. There is another heir. And then Nicholas finally arrives and he's like, not today there isn't, bitch. And he declines the throne and says that Mia should have the crown. And then he makes a little speech of his own. And he says, she's bright, she is caring, but more importantly, she has a vision. One that will take Genovia forward. And if the parliament were astute, they would name her queen. Listen to her. She'll lead us into the 21st century. And besides, just think how lovely she'll look on our postage stamp. So, And that sends them. They're like the postage stamp. Yes, they're like, true, true. She does have a great profile. So <laughs> Mabry literally is about to throttle Nicholas. He like <laughs> yells at him, follows him out of the church. <laughs> and Nicholas is like, that's enough. We're finished. You're done. You are done. <laughs> you are done. Say less. Yeah. So, who's next in line for the throne? The Von Trokens. I don't know what that reference is. So back in the church, back in the church. So you remember like the people who wanted to like take over the crown in the first movie, like that couple. Yeah. yeah. So they have a little cameo when somebody's like, "Well, who's next in line for the throne? The Von Trokens?" And they stand up. They're like, "We accept immediately." <laughs> oh my gosh. So the prime minister tells Mia to make a motion, and she moves to abolish the marriage law and asks if anyone will second her motion. The prime minister says, keep eye contact with them. Stare them down. No. (laughs) No, no, no. Soften, (laughs) soften. And, oh my gosh, Lord Palamore seconds the motion. It's time we had a new tradition. I like change. I may grow a mustache. Slowly but surely, they all say I, and Palamore tells her that she rules. <laughs> Mia then calls. And I'm like, we could have done this like a minute ago. Yeah. Like, I just. 
Mm-hmm. We have to go through the whole rigmarole. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Mia then calls Lionel over and asks to use his earpiece. And Charlotte gives Clarice hers. And Mia tells Clarice, um, just because she didn't get her fairy tale ending doesn't mean <gasps> she shouldn't. So what happens? Yes, you guessed it. Oh my gosh. Clarice then asks Joe if it's too late to ask him to accept her hand in marriage. <laughs> Screaming. Screaming. It's a fucking wedding again. It's a wedding again. Oh my again. god. The money wasn't wasted. The taxpayer dollars went to good use. <laughs> Thank God. Joe tells the other bodyguard who's always wearing the shades that he's in charge now. Joe's got to go to a wedding. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, the housekeeper watches on the news as Mabry is locked out of the church. Oh, yeah. She's, like, eating popcorn and, like, stuffing it in, like, the cushions in the chair. (laughs) So good. So Clarice and Joe walk down the aisle. I'm literally fucking free, screaming, crying, throwing up. Yeah. They get up to the altar and Clarice is like, I wish to take this man's hand in marriage. And he just goes, finally. They had the support all along. <sighs> Helen has finally returned from the longest fucking diaper change in history. It's a baby shit. It's brains <laughs> out, yo. I'm, it's honestly probably dehydrated by now. I'm worried about baby Trevor. But yeah. <laughs> she comes back and Mr. O'Connell fills her in on how Mia's not getting married, but Clarice is now. <laughs> Clarice and Joe say their vows. They are pronounced husband and wife. Ah, beautiful. Then we shoot over to the coronation where Mia literally shoots Mm -hmm. a flaming arrow through the coronation ring, but it's a bittersweet moment. The next day is the coronation, and Mia sits in her soon-to-be throne um, the morning of and asks Louis if he thinks she'll make a good queen. And that's when Nicholas comes (gasps) in and says he thinks that she will and asks for an audience with her. I love that. Mm -hmm. He kneels and tells her he's in love with the queen-to-be and inquires if she loves him too. She asks if he has a chicken for her table, and he says he's all out of chickens. So she runs to hug him, and they kiss, and it's a poppin' kiss, y'all. Oh, my gosh. So then we finally go to the coronation ceremony. We see all the people in the crowd. Who's there as a couple? Andrew and Alyssa. The two kindest people in the movie. Truly. So happy for them. A little jealous it's not me, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. What, I mean, she's a Rhodes Scholar. It's hard to compete. It is. Um, I am nearly a sewer rat in comparison. But <laughs> <laughs> we then also see the Royal Guard captain yelling man ask Lily if he can call her when she's back in California. And she's like, well, I'm pretty sure I can hear you without a phone, but sure. And she slides her number into his jacket. We then hear Charlotte say, the sparrow is taking off. The eagle is flying for the last time. Uh, I got so emotional watching this earlier. I was like crying. I mean, just the eagle is flying for the last time. It's like... Oh my god. The only thing that they do dirty in this movie is when 
Clarice takes off her crown for the final time, she has hat hair. Well, because she has a little crown on underneath it. Okay. Yeah. That's true. That's why it's like so flat because she has that like wraparound crown. I just feel like her hair is looking a little like close <laughs> to the scalp in that it is. It is gelled down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so Mia and Clarice descend down the staircases opposite each other. Mia takes her place on the throne. The bishop takes the crown off Clarice's head and puts it on Mia's head. She is sworn in. A choir led by the prime minister is singing the Genovian national anthem. It's very emotional. I was very emotional. I've had like I've, I've had a stressful week, so I was not prepared for this for sure. But Genovia, oh it was so good. Mia walks down the line of like men holding swords. I don't know what it's called, and somebody says, "Presenting Her Majesty Amelia Mignonette." Thermopolis Rinaldi, Queen of Genovia. And we hear, This is my time to shine by Raven Simone playing. Beautiful. Yes. In the credits, Charlotte becomes a parliament member. Mia opens the children's center. Maury slides down on a mattress, and it's just a happy, jolly time wow. in Genovia. And that is The Princess Diaries, too. Uh, royal engagement. But it's funny because in the title, it, it was like we do get the royal wedding mm-hmm. and there are actually two royal engagements. Yeah. The old switcheroo. The old <laughs> fucking switcheroo, mate. Uh, yeah. It's it's really good. It's a really phenomenal sequel because sequels are really hard mm-hmm. to do. I mean, we've seen our fair share of bad ones, but it's interesting because I loved the first movie. Like, mm-hmm. it is an icon. Of course. Especially as, like, you know, a young, like, girl. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is iconic. Yeah. Um, Now that I'm older, I feel like I relate more mm-hmm. to this movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's more relevant. Yeah. And I liked it way more than I thought I was going to. Same. I Because I always liked the second one, of course, growing up. But I always felt much closer to the first one. Just because I, you know, I was a kid, Mia was also a kid, and now that I'm older, I do have this new appreciation for it. And like I said, like I was so taken aback by how invested I was in Clarice and Joe's relationship because that's like not something that I really understood the gravity to when I was a kid. Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh my God, this is like years and years of history between these two people and they've never been allowed (sighs) to be together publicly and now they finally can, and she is, like, actually choosing her happiness for once over having to sacrifice it so many times. Yeah. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are two sides of the story, right? There's, like, the, the like, I'm a princess, shut up side, where mm-hmm. it's, like, she comes into this new role, and she has to do all these things to become um, the queen. But then there's also, like this push and pull between career and Mm -hmm. personal life, family obligation versus love. Mm -hmm. Like it hits a lot of bases, Mm -hmm. even though it's not necessarily relevant to me as someone who's not royalty, but it definitely has those themes that I feel like are super universal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like Mia is such a great uh, vessel. I feel like to carry us along in the, in this story because like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, we got to grow up with her in the first one and then we get to see her like come into being a young woman in the second one. And yeah, I just felt like this was a really nice progression. And I like that the first one, obviously there's the romantic storyline with Michael, but that's not like the focus that's very much in the background. So it was nice to be able to see like romance coming into the foreground a little bit more. Yeah. I was taken aback by how much I really enjoyed it. You were taken aback. I was. Oh, my days. Oh, my stars. And we have a lot of hotties in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just love – I love the Princess Diaries. Like, yeah. I would absolutely show my future spawn the movies and be like, mm-hmm. this is the shit we grew up on. Because I feel like the whole point of the movies is really a story of confidence mm-hmm. and a coming-of-age story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's aged remarkably well. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of really great lessons and morals in it, of course, but also it's just like very enjoyable um, and you really do fall in love with all these characters. It's a beautiful time. I really do hope that they end up making a third one. Um, In 2016, Gary Marshall announced that they were going to make a third one. However, he passed away not too long afterwards, so obviously... That didn't happen, Um, but I would love one day to see them tackle a third installment with Mia, you know, older. She's been ruling for a while. Or did her and Nicholas get married? Who knows? I did see on Wikipedia that it said in 2019 there was a script, but they want to make it like, quote unquote, perfect Mm. before they do anything. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully someday because I would eat it up. That's for sure. Like with a freaking spoon, a freaking spoon. Mm-hmm. On that note, shall we rate this film? This is a hard one for me because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a full 10 for me, Yeah, but it is such a nostalgia classic. What are you thinking? If you had asked me before I watched it, I probably would have pegged it as like an eight, but I'm going for a nine. Yeah, I think that's fair, actually. I mm-hmm. would give it a nine as well. Yeah. I really had a blast watching it. I'll probably watch it again. It was on – ooh, I'm like moving around. <laughs> it was on Disney Plus, so – Yes. Maybe I'll watch it on the freaking plane to Germany. There you go. Got to get, you know, your European content in. I know, right? I could watch – Um, there's a show called Dark on the Way to Germany, and it's in German, mm. but it literally gave me nightmares, yeah. and that's why I was like, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, maybe don't watch that on the plane for sure. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's on Disney Plus, so definitely do a little double feature. See how you feel, like back to back. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I highly recommend. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We had a blast recording it. Yes, it was so fun. And if you want even more content, if you're chomping up a bit for content, mm-hmm. you can always go to our Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. Yes. You can also send us a good old fashioned email at movies that raised us at gmail.com. I promise we'll respond. Sometimes if you send us a longer email, we want to just take a little more time yes. to send a proper response. Yeah, we want to give it like our full attention. So there may be a delay, but we promise we've read it, we're ruminating on it, and then we will respond. Yes. And if you want even more content, you can follow us on TikTok at movies that raised us pod. And you can follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And guys, You're going to want to get ready for next week's episode because it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. You're going to freak the fuck out. It's it's been long awaited. 
and I'm excited. I'm excited to cover it. So yes, stay tuned. But yeah, we will see you next week for that mystery movie. Ooh, I'm Mo, and I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.